12, right? Am I, am I right by that? I'm joking. I'm not, I'm not going to take that long. Actually, it's funny. I had a, had a couple people come up and say, so you're going to end at 1130 today, right? Like that, that's going to happen. And it brought me back to whenever I would preach uh, with, my, with my parents there. My dad uh, is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I mean, this guy is so diehard that whenever the Cowboys play, he makes the living room into like a shrine to the Cowboys. And every time they're on offense, he wears his blue jersey. And every time they're on defense, he wears his uh, white jersey. And it's always a sight to see. So every time I would preach, uh, the, the church we used to be at uh, ended at 12. He would always, like right around uh, 10, 11.50, because that's how long it took to get home, was about 10 minutes, would start going, wrap it up, wrap it up. I, got, I can't miss kickoff. Um, but it was always, uh, it was always good fun. Uh, so I prayed a lot about what to preach on today, and as, as y'all know, uh, I am going to be talking about adoption uh, as it reflects the gospel, because uh, adoption in, a, in, in the 21st century really does have a beautiful reflection of what the gospel uh, in its entirety is uh, for us. Um, and you know, I was going to preach an ending to do-over. That was my original plan. You know, I was praying to God, okay, you know, what am I going to preach about? And then uh, I kind of had these, these thoughts and ideas for uh, finishing out the do-over series. Uh, and then on Sunday, Matt hit almost every point that I was thinking about. And as I do with any message, I always pray, God, if this isn't the message you want me to preach, make that known. And so as Matt started to go through all those points, I'm like, all right, back to the drawing board. Um, but recently, God has really put adoption on my heart, um, especially in these last few months. It's been, it's been extra heavy. Um, I've had a, a, a huge desire uh, and, and calling for, for adoption for many, many years. Um, I myself am adopted. Uh, I am currently addicted with my wife to a podcast, half adopted. Yes, okay, Victoria, thank you. Um, I'm, me and Victoria are currently addicted to this podcast by the North American Mission Board called the Adoption and Foster Care Podcast. We're driving back from Dallas, and we just binge the entire thing. It's awesome. Um, Maybe it's that my degree is in child welfare, social work, and uh, I'm exposed to a lot of that stuff on the daily when it comes to my studies. Maybe it's because I'm in student ministry, uh, or maybe it's because I see all these different families in our church that have responded to the call of adoption and foster care. Either way, this is something that God has laid very heavily on my heart, and I want to share with you all today. Uh, so if you'll turn with me into Romans chapter 8, uh, we're going to be— in, in verses 14 through 17. I'm going to be jumping around a lot, but this is really going to be where we're going to uh, camp out uh, for most of our time today. And I'm going to warn you in advance, there's probably not a lot of people that read the same translation of the Bible I do, because it's only a few months old. But it, it's, it's close enough to where y'all, y'all shouldn't get too lost, all right? Uh, so Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by who we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we, we may also be glorified with him. So, there's a couple things I want to focus on in that passage, uh, just getting started, and that is that there's, there's two very significant things uh, in this, and that is in that first verse, 
it says, for all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. Now, one thing you've got to know about the translation that I'm using, it's the new Christian Standard Version. It's our Christian Standard Bible. It's, it's the one uh, that went through uh, with all these different translators and, and, and took all the things that said uh, sons or men and put it into its context. So we knew if it was talking about all people, if it was talking about women, if it was focusing on men, all this other stuff. And so in looking at this translation, as I looked in others, every single one of them says God's sons. This is why that's significant. It's because families back then, sons were given more of an heir to the family. They were given more of a birthright than daughters. So in Paul, when he wrote this, if he were to say, uh, then you are God's children, it wouldn't have had a, as big of an impact with the, the group that he was writing to. But understanding that we are sons, that we gain that full birthright, that we are heirs, is significant. Another thing I want us to look at is when it says Abba, Father. It's significant because Abba is an Aramaic word. And the Bible in its original uh, writing was not in Aramaic. So it's, it's, it's interesting to look and see why an Aramaic word was put in uh, to this book. In fact, it's something that Jesus also said. And this word, Abba, is a word that is most closely translated as Daddy. It signifies the close and intimate relationship of a father to his child, as well as the childlike trust that a young child puts in his daddy, Abba, Father. See, when we are saved, we get our do-over. When we respond to the gospel, when we accept Christ in our heart, we make that commitment to him, we are justified and we are adopted. We can truly be called children of God, we are no longer just creation. And not only that, we're able to have that, that relationship with God where we can call him our daddy, our dad, our father. And so what I want us to look today is I want us to look at adoption in the 21st century, the process of it, the, the pains, the emotions, all this other stuff, the, the calling. And I want to look at that, and I want to look at the gospel and how those things reflect one another and you'll you'll begin to see this picture of adoption and how it's almost like an, an earthly version of the gospel so the first thing that adoption is as it reflects the gospel is adoption is needed i don't think i need to spend too long on this one as we know that there are a lot of children without homes without stability in this world there is currently an estimation that 120,000 are eligible for adoption. This is just in the U.S. alone. With over 400,000 churches in the United States, if one person in every third church would say, I'll take one, all the children would have a home. In Arkansas, that statistic is similar. Uh, in Arkansas, if one family in every Baptist church would adopt a child, there would be no children waiting for adoption and get this, nor would there be a single child in the foster care system. Not only would all these children that are up for adoption have a home, every kid that's in foster care would have a place to be as well. And internationally, these numbers are more heartbreaking. According to the Huffington Post, there are over 153 million orphans around the world. Million. 
there's a strong need for adoption and foster care. And too many children are growing up without a mom and a dad. You know, I feel like if I, if I went into why children need a mom and dad, why they need a mother or father figure, why they need a stable family, I feel like we'd be here all day. Because <laughs> the evidence is astounding to how much children need that for their development. And just as children need a home, a family, we are desperately in need of the gospel. Because without the gospel, we're lost in darkness. We're forever separated from God. And when we're separated, we look for things to fill the void that's in our hearts, this, this emptiness without, without Jesus. And, and there, there are all these, these temporary fulfillments, whether it's people or things or, or hobbies or, or whatever it may be. We seek those things out as our fulfillment, and they always fail us. But Jesus doesn't. In John twelve forty six, it says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Jesus came and died on our behalf and rose again that we may have a relationship with God. Adoption is needed for both children, and adoption is needed for us. Adoption, as it reflects the gospel, is costly. Adoption does not only require a financial cost, as there are some families in here that are aware of that, but there is an emotional cost to adoption as well. Um, There's a part of adoption that maybe a lot of people won't tell you that unfortunately I've had to write papers about and that was, is that the, the foster care system and the adoption process uh, comes with some rejection. There are times that you may be set to adopt one child. You may know who that child is and then at the very end of the process it doesn't happen. Unfortunately that's a reality with the system and in a lot of cases a lot of these foster kids are sent to different homes. Maybe one home is not equipped to handle this child, so they're taking to another home. And so there is an emotional cost with adoption. Because you're, you're bringing in children into your home that have faced more trauma than most adult men and women. Um, in the, the North American Mission Board's podcast for adoption and foster care, the one that Victoria and I are, are really, really addicted to. Like, I refresh that thing every day to look to see if there's new episodes. I don't know if I told you that yet. Um, but there's an example that these two women who host the show give, and, and one was that they adopted this little girl from Ethiopia, and as soon as they got home, she was petrified. I mean, just was standing still, not moving, and just in absolute fear of their little dog. They had this little bitty dog, and, and was ter- she was terrified of these dogs, and the reason why was because where she was from, dogs were really, really bad. And so this family had to rehome this dog because their, their daughter was just petrified of this dog. And, and, you know, for us, that sounds crazy, right? It sounds, it sounds silly to be, to be uh, scared of a little puppy. But in reality, there, there's a lot of these, this trauma that these children face that, that affect them so much that, that, that it kind of bleeds into other things. This little girl being terrified of dogs could mean something else entirely. It also uh, required some of these ladies to give up certain things. As you biological parents will know, kids take up time. You can't go to the movies every weekend. You can't go to the gym all the time. You've got to find a babysitter. All this other stuff uh, that happens uh, with adoption. Other things that they gave examples of. But another one was they had a foster kid 
who was up for adoption, and they started that process with him, and this kid kept his suitcase by the door for a year. And he kept the suitcase by the door because he was so used to leaving, he never really wanted to be attached. He never felt a part of the family. And it took a year for him to finally feel like he was a part of the family. Now, if you'll listen to this podcast, there's tons of examples that they give of the different traumas that these children deal with and, and um, the different emotional ter- tolls that it takes on the parents. But that cost is worth it. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but they, they talked about a uh, misunderstanding or a myth in, a, in the adoption and foster care system that an older child always has more trauma than a younger child. That's baloney. <laughs> I mean, no matter where a child is in their life, the amount of trauma really could, could range. And really, you can have an older kid and a toddler that has the exact same amount of trauma. So as I mentioned, adoption can be costly, but it is worth it. But so is the gospel. The gospel was also costly for God and for Christ. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says, When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, under, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So that's the why. Here is what he did to pay. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality equality with God as something to be exploited. The ESV says grasp. Instead, he emptied himself by by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus paid the ultimate cost for our adoption. He paid it with his own blood. Now the cost of adoption can be high, and the emotional cost can be high as well. But it's worth it to bring that child into your home. For God, this cost was also worth it, because he wants each and every one of us to be in his family. He wants to adopt us. Adoption, as it reflects the gospel, is planned and pursued. Putting these in the two two same category because when you're planning something and you're pursuing that child, it's one and the same because you've got to make plans when you're uh, thinking about adopting or fostering a child. Uh, I made a little list of the process as I've come to understand it. Uh, One, there's the calling, being called to foster or adopt. There's prayer, praying through that process, praying for your possible future child or children, praying for wisdom and God's direction in doing that. Paperwork, lots and lots and lots of paperwork. Training, more paperwork. Waiting, more praying, house visits, more paperwork and more waiting. Adoption is a long process. Now, there are... uh, organizations and and ways to shorten this process or maybe help with some of the finances but generally the the adoption and foster care process can take some time it's not you you sign up now you get a kid next week that's not how it works and when pursuing for 
adoption or foster care, there's a lot of planning to bring child, a child into your home. You got to prepare your biological children for what you're going to do. You need to prepare your home. You have to meet certain safety standards. You have to continue to pray about making sure this child has stability in their life. Uh, one of the, the, the papers that I wrote on this last semester uh, talked about putting kids in, in, in these temporary homes. They weren't foster homes. There's these facilities that house children while they're waiting to be put into a home uh, or those who maybe have some sort of uh, mental uh, stress or, or something to that nature. And, and the number one issue with a lot of these is that they don't offer stability for the child. And when they don't offer stability for the, for the child, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of um, mental, mental issues that can develop from that, or there's a lot of behavioral issues that can develop from that. And having a lack of stability is hard. So that's why they encourage a lot of the families that are thinking about adopting or fostering to make sure that there's stability in the home. Because when there's not stability in the home, the child can't fully develop and, and grow and, and grow past some of these behavioral or emotional uh, issues due to their trauma or due to the fact that they have never had stability. They crave that. They need that. And so it's important that we plan that. Think of this. You, if you're planning for adoption or foster care, you're praying through the, this process right now, you may be praying for a child who's not even born yet. That's a, that's a reality that I know myself and Victoria face when we pray through this stuff. So God has planned our adoption, and he has pursued us just as we plan for our adoptive children and pursue them. God put in the motion the events needed for our salvation. I thought Matt hit on that uh, really well in these last few weeks with the do-over series, talking about the different things that God did to lead up to our salvation. And in weeks before that, when he went through uh, all the different things, when he went through um, uh, Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christ, see, God rose nations and kings. He humbled people all to be a part of the lineage that would lead to our Savior being born. And not only did God plan, he pursued I don't know if anyone in here has fully read the Old Testament, but I can tell you when reading the Old Testament, especially in a short amount of time, what you begin to see is you become irritated so bad at the people God keeps trying to save. I mean, if you just look at the story of Moses as he led people out of Egypt, they did nothing but complain the entire time. They were a bunch of whiny babies about the entire thing. Like, Every time Moses would bring them out, they're like, okay, well, it's better for us to be slaves and go with you. Or, where's this promised land? Or, as soon as he goes up to the mountain, they just make a golden calf and just say, okay, forget you. I mean, it's irritating because we look at that and go, do you not see what God is doing in your life? Do you not see that God is pursuing you and wanting to redeem you? And so often we say, okay, well, we're Moses or we're Aaron. But we're those people that are complaining and making a golden calf. But even though we did all of that, even though we constantly complained about not getting our way, even though we constantly are impatient with God, God continues to pursue us. And God doesn't stop pursuing us. The story of the Old Testament is God redeeming people. And it's amazing to see that he continues to redeem us and continues to pursue us when we definitely do not deserve it. And the coolest part about all this is that our adoption was not God's plan B. 
Many pursue adoption as their plan B. Maybe they can't have children. But if God is calling you to adoption or to foster care, adoption and foster care should not be your plan B. It should be your plan A, just as God's adoption for us was his plan A. And I understand that that's something for you to pray through, but if God is putting that on your heart, that's not plan B. Adoption, as it reflects the gospel, is forever. Whenever you adopt a child, that child is yours. They become part of your family just like a biological child. They're not treated differently. It's not like there's a tier of of what happens whenever you adopt a child. Like, okay, well, these biological biological children get this, and my adopted child gets this, or something like that. Um, And an example I want to give of that is my own adoption. Um, When I was six years old, my mom uh, and now my dad got married. I grew up without a dad for six years. And so whenever this, this new man started to become a part of my life, I immediately wanted to start calling him dad. In fact, while they were dating, I was like, can I start calling you dad? And he said, sure. And I'm really glad they got married because otherwise that would have been super awkward. <laughs> and the thing about that is my dad did not have to adopt me. After marrying my mom, he could have been my stepdad. I could have continued to keep my mom's name. But he didn't. He wanted me to be his son. And so he adopted me. I gained his last name. His name is on my birth certificate. He is my dad. And even though he's not my biological father, he is my father. When I talk about my dad, Alan Barton is the guy I talk about. I am in his will. I am an heir to my father, and I'm a Barton just like my own brother and sister. Our adoption into God's family is forever. Romans 16 through 17, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. John 10, 28 through 29. I give them eternal life that they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Just as I will always be Alan Barton's son, when we are adopted in Christ, we will always be children of God. I believe in the security of the believer that once you are truly saved, once you've made that commitment to Christ, you made him Lord over your life and Savior. When he has justified you before God and whenever you are adopted into God's family, I believe you are a child of God forever. And finally, in closing, adoption is a reflection of the gospel. Adoption to God's family essentially gives us that personal relationship with God so much so that we cry out to him just like he's our earthly father. And there are times uh, in adoption where that's very similar. Whenever a child is adopted, they can look to that parent and truly call them their mom and dad. At that point, it's no longer just a foster mom or foster dad. It's no longer just a a stepdad or stepmom or somebody that's just watching over you. That person is 
your parents. That person is your mother, your father. When we are adopted into God's family, that is who God is for us. God is our dad. And we know that adoption is important to God because it is what he has done for us. James 1.27 says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is explaining that the true faith, Christian faith expressed looks like us looking after orphans and widows to, and to be different from the world. You know, the first thing that James mentions here is orphans, those without homes, because we, like those orphans, were also without homes. And there may, be, there may be many ways that we can be involved in expressing this faith. I encourage everyone here to pray about adoption and foster care. If, if you don't feel like God is leading you to make that decision, to, to sign that first piece of paper, to see where God will lead you, there are other ways that you can help with this. There are orphanages all around the world that need help, that need support. There are families, even in our own church, that have adopted or fostering or are in that process that can use prayers, that can use any sort of support through those things as well. There's ministries all throughout Arkansas that could use that as well. Adoption is giving a child who has no home a family and a place to call their own and a family that loves them. Adoption is pursuing a child that does not know you and you already know them. They may reject you and it may take a year, months, weeks, years for them to trust you but we still pursue them just as God continued to pursue us. Adoption is belonging. Adoption is a reflection of the gospel. God loved us so much that he planned the death of his son out. He pursues us even when we constantly reject him, and he offers us to be in the family and co-heirs with Christ. And so during this invitation, what I want, want us to do um, is I want us to, to really pray through that this morning. If you are a child of God, if you are somebody who has accepted Jesus, if you're somebody who's made him Lord of your life and Savior, I encourage you to be praying through the process of adoption and foster care. There are so many families that you could talk to here that have gone through that process that can help you and, and show you what that looks like or show you how you can support this. If you are not adopted into God's family, I encourage you to come and pray with us and, and talk to somebody about that because God wants you. He's been pursuing you. As Matt's been going over this do-over series, he's, he's been talking about how much we are in desperate need of a do-over, how much we're in desperate need of redemption, and we need that so bad. John 1, 12 says, But to all who receive him, he gave them the right to be children of the God to those who believe in his name. Hey, this is Matt Overall, the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 10.30. Our small groups start at 9.30. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.